Okay, be honest. You were singing along, weren't you? Or or maybe I need to ask the person next to you if you were singing along. (laughs) That's true, isn't it? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, so I'm just going to tell you my name is Drew, and now I feel better. (laughs) I'm glad that you guys are here with us today because in this series we're calling Well Connected. We're really talking about what Horizon Community Church is here for. What is our mission? Because when we built this place, when Horizon first started, the idea was that this would not just be a commuter church, you know, a place that we come and consume and then leave again, but that it would really be a community church. And so we would kind of put it this way. We're here to comfortably connect people to the Bible and a community of growing Christ followers. We believe that when we're able to do that, that also helps us on our journey of exploring and connecting to God. And last week, Chad talked to us a little bit about what it looked like to connect to God through the Bible. And this week, we're really going to hone in on this word, community. What does community look like? And how do we connect to community? How do we find ourselves in places where people know our names, where people are excited that we're there, where we're excited to be there? A few years ago, my wife and I were able to go to Boston. And while we were there, we got to see Cheers! Now, this is not actually where they filmed it. The interior set was in a different place. But this is Cheers on Beacon Hill in Boston, where they filmed the outside, kind of that establishing shot, that first thing you would see of Cheers. And it struck me. It was really funny because I was so excited to see Cheers. And then I realized I actually grew up on reruns of the show. And I was young enough, I don't think I really understood some of those life situations that they were struggling with or why it mattered so much. I just knew I loved that song. Like, I would never change the channel until I'd heard that song and heard somebody say, like, hey, Norm. Because there was some piece of that that just was like, I want that thing. You know, because here's the reality. You know this. In our digital world today, you have more connections than ever before. You have more Facebook friends. You have more LinkedIn connections. You have more Twitter followers than ever before But are we well connected? We're connected, yes. And the digital's not a bad thing. But the more that we become digital, the more we realize how much we need even more of the high-touch, personal, relational connection. We think that's what being well connected is about. That I would actually tweak that and say, it's not just that you want to go where everybody knows your name. Sometimes you need to go. Where somebody knows your name where somebody knows how you tick, where somebody knows what you're struggling with and what you're celebrating. They know how to encourage you. They know how to challenge you. Somewhere that somebody really knows you. What often keeps us from that is is kind of these two different pieces of self-centered thinking that we either think people don't need me, the community doesn't need me, or I don't need people. But I think we're going to find out today that you need others and others need you. And I know in my own life, whenever I finally start to figure out some stuff like that, it usually ends up that somebody in the Bible already knew that, already described it for me. And if I was just paying a little closer attention, I probably could have figured it out a lot sooner. And one of those that we're looking at this morning comes from a man named Paul. Now, Paul is one of the most influential men in the history of the world. To the point that even if you don't agree with everything he wrote, maybe you don't even know everything he wrote, people, millions and even billions of people, 
continue to study the personal letters of Paul thousands of years after he wrote them. Because there is such timeless truth in there that God had given him. And so one that we're looking at this morning is actually a letter that he wrote to some friends of his to help them figure out how to make community work. You see, he had friends in a certain city called Corinth who had decided that they wanted to trust Christ. All this stuff that they'd been hearing about Jesus, that they needed a forgiver, they said, okay, yeah, we want into that. But what was interesting is that even as they joined into kind of this spiritual community, they didn't really know how to make it work. And I love what Paul does in this letter, because even though they're talking about this idea of being a community in Christ, he actually pulls it out of the spiritual for a minute and into the natural to help them understand how community really works. And so this is what he writes. He says, he's going to use the picture of the human body. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? Now just picture that for a second. Not really. Use your imagination. That's weird, right? (laughs) If the whole body were an eye. I I had this moment with one of my kids a couple of weeks ago where like, he's trying to tell me something. He thinks I'm not really listening. And I wasn't. I mean, I I was distracted. I'm doing something on the phone, whatever. And so I, I I looked him right in the eye. I said, okay, Simeon, I'm all ears. He looked back at me and just said, no, you're not. (laughs) Because he's five and everything is literal, right? But think about that. Like, what does he picture in his head for just a minute when I tell him that, like, no, no, that is not how this works, Dad. I mean, that's how goofy it's meant to sound. If, If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? Right, so, I mean, I mean, think about that. Plug your ears. Try to hear through your eyes doesn't work i appreciate a few of you are trying (laughs) or plug your nose try to smell through your ears it doesn't work we're not built that way see every part of the body is made unique it does something unique and they all work together that's the picture that paul is giving us here because he knows that we need each other but what happens sometimes is that we miss out on that. And in this case, this first example that he's giving us, it's because some part of the body is saying, I don't think I really count. Whether that is because of low self-image, maybe it's because of low self-knowledge. You just don't realize how distinctive, how important, how critical and how crucial what you bring to the table really could be. Sometimes it's because we're trapped in comparison We say, I'm a strategic thinker, but I'm not as strategic as he is. You know, if, if only I had more of his vision, then I could really be helpful to my company, my family, my community. If if only I could lead like she does, then I'd really feel valuable. And so we end up pulling ourselves back from the community because we think the body doesn't need me. Hey, I just want you to hear me say this morning, every person in this room right here in this community, we need you. We need you. And we believe that you need other people too, that we actually need this kind of community 
to be at our best. In fact, I think that's why the next thing that Paul writes in this letter as God is speaking through him, is he says, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. What he's saying is, not only are you distinctive, not only is there something special and helpful and valuable about you, but he tells us that God actually made it that way and that God has a great time doing this. It's his pleasure. He loves this to be able to put us together like this. You know, you know this is true. Maybe if, you, if we kind of stay in the natural, you know that your body works that way. The pieces work together. Even think about this, you know, maybe where you work on a team that you work with. Have you ever been a part of a team where everybody is a conflict avoider? How does that work out? actually works out really well at first because everyone seems to be fine. Nobody's bringing any conflict to the table. This is great. And it crashes and burns hard before too long, doesn't it? Right? If you've ever been on a team where everybody's a strategist or everybody's an idealist, you you realize you actually need somebody who's the eyes. You know, they've got the vision for where we're going. You, You need people to be the hands and feet to really get things done. And there's always that person on the team that like they're the spleen and you don't know exactly what they do (laughs) without looking it up again but believe me you notice when they are not there (laughs) right here's what I would invite you encourage you to do just to even be thinking about this morning bring your distinctive qualities to the community you know sometimes this is the place where we say everybody's unique you're unique But the reality is some of us do share similar skills, similar gifts, similar experience. That's why I chose this word distinctive, because I think that's what Paul, and I think that's what God is talking about here. That in a room this size, I'm teaching right now, but I've got to believe that there's more than one person in this room right now who has the ability to teach. You go down that hallway, there's more than one person in the building right now teaching, in our East Station, with all of those kids, up the stairs with our students. And I'm teaching the students in a couple of weeks. And let, let me tell you, I think it is a lot harder than this is. <laughs> I'm begging them for input. How do I make high schoolers care about what I'm saying? Because I remember being a high schooler. Oh, my word, when is this guy going to stop, right? <laughs> you know, in a community this size, even just in this room, as you look around, as you imagine the people, or even the people you're sitting next to, I've got to believe that there are more people who have the ability to lay out vision. More people who have a heart for volunteering, for greeting people as they come into this place. More people who have a heart to give a meal to a person who is hurting and homeless and then sit down next to them and hear their story. More than one person who has the foresight and the generosity to join into something like we've been talking about in the last couple weeks, to give uniquely to a future growth fund at Horizon so that we can begin to do live streaming video so that whether I'm traveling, whether I'm sick, or I just want to share it with a friend, I can give them this service in a video format. I've got to believe that in a community this size with this many people in the room, there are people who love to give in a way that could change the Christmas season for another family. You probably saw as you came in today, there's a Christmas tree up. 
First of all, you should all just accept that you're going to see Christmas decorations everywhere now. (laughs) But that one is a little bit early, and the reason why is because that's our giving tree. And that's a place where we get to, you, you can actually take a card off that tree that represents a little boy, a little girl, even a whole family, where we've partnered with Inner Parish Ministries, uh, City Gospel Mission, Back-to-Back Ministries, Partners for Belize, and a place called Happy Church. All of these that are going to places where people are the most needy, the most desperate for help, that we have an opportunity to encourage them through our generosity at this time of year. Would I say that there's one unique person in this room who enjoys that? I don't think so, because those things go fast every year. In fact... If you want yours, they are in the rear of the atrium today. So, so check it out today because they don't last long. Uh, and one note that I've learned in past years, when you bring the gift back, don't wrap it. I know that sounds strange, but don't wrap it. Now, those are just some of the ways that we bring our distinctive qualities to a community like this. Yeah, but maybe you're a little more like I used to be. I think there's a part of us that sometimes wants to say, I don't know if I'm any help to the community. But there's another part that says... I don't think I need the community's help. Like if I was strong enough, I would do this myself. I would figure this out. Here's the easiest way I can pinpoint it. It's every time in a college course that the professor gives an assignment and then says, this will be a group project. Oh, come on. Like that slows everything down and I already had my really good idea and we don't even get to pick our group. He's putting me with that guy. And that guy's sitting over there thinking, I'm stuck with that guy, <laughs> right? You know, I don't know about you, but I knew that feeling where I was like, well, I could have done this in two hours and now it's going to take two weeks. It makes it harder, right? Yeah, I think we can own. Being well-connected in community, it's a commitment. It is harder, but it is worth it. And it absolutely pays off. Just in terms of resource management, right? You think about if the foot is by itself, there's nothing it can do. But if it pulls in the resources of the entire body, then the sky's the limit. I actually heard an interview from a a Lego executive a couple of weeks ago. And he was talking about a time in their company when the company was starting to bottom out. And as I'm listening to this interview, I'm thinking, when was that? Like, my family alone is probably keeping Lego afloat. (laughs) But he described a time where the company was actually on the downward trend and they did not see a way to stop it. And as they sat in a room full of executives trying to figure out, what do we do? What they realized was they had received a ton of input from the Lego community that they were not listening to. And he said, until we realized that 99.99% of the smartest people in the world were not in that room, we couldn't figure out what would make us really successful. I think it's really cool that he left that 0.01%. That 0.01% of the smartest people might be in the room. Because the reality is, those guys have skills. Those guys have strategy. Lego is a great product. You're not an executive at Lego for no reason. And yet they realized that to actually be their best, they needed the input and the expertise of the community. See, the way Paul describes that in his image of the body is like this. He says that the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, 
On these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. You see, the picture he's trying to give us is that there are parts of the body that you don't see. You see my hands, you see my feet, you see my head, you don't see my lungs. Is that because they're weaker? Well, I have, unfortunately, multiple times in my life, stabbed my hand with a pencil. Ever done that? That hurts, but my hand works fine. Stab your lung with a pencil. Doesn't work too good. Well, then that part is weaker than the hand, right? So I don't need that part. Wrong. (laughs) What seems to be weaker actually brings a lot of strength. And so instead, we give it shielding. We add even more parts to the body to help make that thing stronger because we realize the lungs are some of the strongest, most important parts of the body, and we need all of these parts working together. Really, it's pride that makes us say this. It's pride that makes me say, I'm going to do it on my own. Or sometimes it's because we hide. That I know there's some weakness in me, and I don't want to own that thing. Because I don't know what you're going to say about it. I don't know what you're going to think about me. I'll try to fix it myself before I have to talk to anybody else about it. Let me just tell you, both of those break down. I've experienced that in my own life. Places that I thought, if I was just strong enough, I would overcome this until I finally said, you know what? I think I actually need other people to help me with this. You know, and that sounds like weakness at first, but here's what we discover. We connect with weakness to become strong. That can't possibly mean what it says, right? But it's true. We connect with weakness to become strong. It's one of the most amazing things that the Bible says again and again that when I realize where I'm lacking, it even says that when I am weak, Jesus is strong. That becomes my strength. And so some of this is that I get into community so that I can be authentic enough, that I can be vulnerable enough, that I can say, 99.99% of what I probably need to know or experience is not in me by myself. And it may look like weakness to go connect with other people, but just like this hand needs these lungs, we get stronger when we tap into that. We get stronger when we share that. We've had a number of uh, group studies going on Sunday evenings and Monday mornings. We've been doing what we called authentic manhood. And as I've been talking to guys about why did they join that kind of a a community? Why did they go from not just the Sunday morning where like I talk and you listen or Chad talks and we listen, but to actually be in a place where they could be around the table chatting with other guys. And I thought I was going to hear, I want to be a better dad, I want to be a better husband. Because that's even like how we promoted it. I cannot tell you how many guys said to me, I realize I need deeper relationships with other guys. We need community. We need to go where somebody knows our name. I heard a a, a guy named uh, Eric Snyder speaking a couple weeks ago. He's an executive search lead for IBM. And he talked about all of the success in his life that ultimately was built on like a straw man until the moment that he realized he needed to go and find another guy who could mentor him. And it changed his life. That guy helped him start digging into the Bible, unpacking things in him that were fear-based, anxiety-based, anger-based, lust-based. And when he changed those things through that relationship, it changed his life. 
he became stronger when he connected with his weakness. You know, I mentioned that uh, my wife and I were in Boston a few years ago. But I didn't tell you why we were there. We weren't actually there to see Cheers. <laughs> my wife knows the absolute truth of this kind of passage, the idea that the body is so interconnected. A number of years ago, she had a very small tumor on a very small part of her body at the base of her brain that was essentially telling her body to create like dangerous amounts of cortisol, which is essentially your, your stress response hormone. And what was happening was there was all these different symptoms that she was kind of experiencing in her life. And some of them, it was like, well, hey, you've got four young kids. You're going to be tired. And some of it was like, well, maybe it's this thing. Maybe it's that thing. They actually told us that what she had is one of the, they think, one of the most underdiagnosed things in the medical community. Because often people end up dying from vascular disease or complications of some other thing, never realizing that this little tumor was what was putting the whole thing out of whack. And so we were told that you need this surgery, and there's one guy in San Francisco and one guy in Boston who know how to do this. So we went to Boston. And, and here's what's interesting. Even when you go to Boston, so that the expert who knows like exactly what he's doing is going to perform this surgery on you, they still make you sign a piece of paper that says you might die on the operating table. That's nice, right? You know, when I think back to those days, the thought processes that we were going through, the, the physical things that my wife was suffering. And I'm telling you, so she's not in the room, so I can just brag on her right now. My wife is a champion. Like the stuff that she's been through physically, that she's been through emotionally, you know, that I've put her through and she's had to forgive me for, like she knows strength through weakness like you wouldn't believe and she would tell you, if, if she was in the room and I made her come up here, which I won't, <laughs> it's because God is her strength. And I remember as we got to the hospital and she went into that room and now she's alone for that surgery. And I came back to the family waiting room and I remember sitting there while she was in surgery. You know, we've been praying for weeks, we've been thinking about stuff for weeks, we just signed that paper how I felt so afraid and so alone. And I'm putting on headphones and I'm trying to think and I'm trying to pray and I'm trying to listen to music that like reminds me of God's promises and, and all this kind of stuff. And my anxiety was just building and my fear was just building until as I was trying to pray through that thing, God just reminded me even though I was sitting in that room by myself, even though I didn't know anybody else in the family waiting room, I was not alone. Because God was with me. And not only was he with me, but he reminded me that back home, before we ever left for Boston, because we were going to be gone for 10 days, and we had four kids that I think at that time they were five and under, Maybe six and under? Well, what do four kids six and under do for ten days while mom and dad are gone? And we had more people from our Bible study, from a community group that we had been a part of in our spiritual community at our church, 
who were taking care of the kids, having sleepovers, trading them from house to house, making sure they got fed, taking care of the house, taking care of the yard. We even had somebody who we had known years before who just happened to be passing through Boston on their way home stop at the hospital and pray with us before the surgery. A guy who had been a mentor for me in my career who's in the Navy now just happened to be passing through Boston on the way home from an assignment and took me out to breakfast a couple days later while Melissa was recovering and prayed with me. I'm thinking we are not as alone as we often feel because we had been invested in a community. Not just a place where we had some friends who could kind of hang out here and there, but people who said, I want to buy in to serving you, to being served, to loving you, to being loved, to sharing the resources, the life experience, the expertise that God had given us. It's easy for me to forget those days because now I I think it's been over a year since she was declared just completely clear and cured from that. And we praise God for it. And sometimes it's easy to forget how much well-connected community mattered to us in those days. And I could tell you so many stories like that, even just from our own community here at Horizon. I heard one this weekend where a guy who had been in a men's study was, uh, had a medical emergency and life kind of fell apart and he was lucky to survive. And as his friends came around him and his family came around him, when I went to the hospital to see him, what I kept hearing was, this guy was here, this guy was here, this guy was here. It's his men's group who even as he continues to try to recover, took him fishing last weekend. Now I hear that kind of stuff and I say, look, I don't know how much of this you've experienced, how much of this sounds awesome, but I want you to have that. I want us to have that. Because that's part of what Paul is saying in this letter. He says that God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. See, when you're in well-connected community, you don't suffer or rejoice alone. There are people around you, people to help you, people to encourage you, people to admonish you. There's a place where you can go that people know your name and they're glad you're there. There's a lot of ways that that we can find that in our lives. But one of the reasons that we put so much energy into that here at Horizon is because we know that life is busy. And it is hard to find time to build that kind of community. And so we try to create environments where people can comfortably connect that way. And and some of those are through our group studies. But I know it's easy for me to say that. And I'll be honest, it is kind of my job to say that. And so I actually brought a couple of friends with me today that I would love for you to hear just a little bit of what their experience has been like being a part of that kind of community and those kinds of studies. So would you welcome with me Mark and Amy Ryle. Guys, thanks for hanging out with us today. Yeah, morning. Thanks for having um, us. I, I'll just tell you, when I was first here at Horizon and people were helping me figure out how to get connected like this, I kept hearing the name Mark Ryle as like a guy who knew how this works. <laughs> and I kept hearing the name Amy Ryle as like a gal who was really on top of this thing. 
Um, and so it's just been exciting getting to know you guys and hearing some of that. So I'm wondering, would you tell us just a little bit about yourselves? Because I know as I've gotten to know you, your life sounds busy too. Yeah, absolutely. So, so tell us a little bit about yourselves and why make time for community like this? Yeah, sure, sure. Well, good morning, uh, Horizon. Um, I'll say uh, I've been at Procter & Gamble for 28 years in the capacity of corporate uh, finance. Mm. And Amy and I are proud parents of uh, three children. Uh, well, I, it goes so fast. I say children. Actually, two of them are in college, and one is a sophomore in high school. Uh, but they keep us busy, and the week is surely full. We lived abroad for a couple of years, and we came back to the U.S. about 11 years ago. And we were fortunate to find Horizon as a home. Um, and, you know, I will say for myself, you know, I, I'm growing all the time in my relationship and my understanding um, of God. And that growth is great. But for me, that growth really got cooking when I got into community. And here at Horizon, I'm really fortunate to be a part of a young mom's group. I'm not young, but everyone else is. And uh, I'm really fortunate and blessed to be in this group. And over the past several years, we've gone through life together. There's a lot that we've handled. Um, we've birthed a lot of children, and we've mourned the loss of a lot of children. And, but we have gotten to see God moving in each other's lives, and that has just been, it makes every amount of time that I spend with the group worth every second. Yeah, Amy, Amy says it well. You know, we have uh, the fortune to be a part of a couple study every other Saturday which brings the marital component into it and also raising each other's kids and understanding the trials and tribulations of, of rearing kids. But I've also um, had the, the great fortune of being a part of a men's group that mm -hmm. I found kind of by chance uh, joining Horizon uh, more than a decade ago. And we meet on Friday mornings before work starts, and it's a nice way to get into the weekend. Um, it's quite casual. You know, half the talk is about what sports are going on or what have you, but we're also... <laughs> verse by verse into various books of the Bible. We're uh, using some of the content that uh, Horizon has produced, like Fast Track for some folks that are newer sure. and not, not, you know, maybe as far along in their faith journey. Yeah. So it's just been really enriching that way. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's, I know that's part of the difference I feel is it's like it's a place where I don't just find out what happened in the scores. Yeah. <laughs> And I usually keep that short because I'm a Bills fan and we're not doing so good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they won't let me go to the young moms group. I don't know why, but, no. but I've been a part of a men's group too. But, I, you know, I think even as I, you know, like as I looked at my calendar and thought, yeah, I could fit that in. And then there was sort of a moment where I was like, I guess I better just do it. And then once I do it, like, I just love it so much. Yeah. But even, um, just to be honest with you, I think each time that I've done that, either in a new environment, in a new place, maybe with new people, or even if it's some of the same people but a couple of new guys, there's just a little part of me that just wants to hide a little bit and say, like, what if it's weird? <laughs> you know, like, what, what questions are they going to ask me and what's really going on here? And like, if I go to this level, am I part of like the cult now and do I have to wear a uniform? <laughs> you know, so... Um, I know that's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I know there's a part of my brain that goes there. And so I just wanted to ask you guys, too, like, what is the experience actually like when you hang out with a community in that kind of setting? Yeah, that, that's interesting how you said that, because uh, early on, I, I probably would have said I was that guy. I, I felt like, I don't know if I can fit in there. How is this going to be? Um, our story with uh, group studies starts uh, more than a decade ago. We were living in Japan. 
So we're, we're set with uh, two kids under four years old, and one's on the way. And we're in the middle of Kobe. We don't speak the language. I'm trying to figure out my job. Uh, it was a bit of a tense uh, a time. But we're going to this um, English-speaking Christian church and, and finding some community there. And mm-hmm. there's some discussion of small groups happening. And, you know, should I venture in there? It seems like it might be a little bit challenging. Uh, so nothing really happened. And then, uh, you know, that, that was God knocking on the door. But then he decided to pound a little harder uh, when um, Lexi, our four-year-old at the time, comes running into the uh, kitchen and says, Mommy, I was just talking to God, and I was asking how the baby's going to be. And he said, Y-E-S. Can you believe he knows how to spell? <laughs> And uh, I looked at Amy, and she's holding Quinn, who's one, and crying, and all that's going on, and what I talked about living in Japan, and I thought, you know, maybe I'm going to join this this small group and see <laughs> what I can get out of it. Very nice. And, and I'll admit, Drew, similar to what you've been saying, I didn't grow up in a tradition that had studies and community groups mm-hmm. at all, and so I thought that seems really weird. That would be really awkward. I don't talk about God or the Bible to anybody, so why would I go and sit in a group and do that? Um, but I can say sitting here now, you know, maybe 15 years later, it's, it's just a group of people. You start out as strangers, but people are there authentically pursuing what it means to live a life that is learning more about God and the Bible. Um, and it's just been incredibly rewarding, um, to do that. Uh, (laughs) we have a, our couple study that meets every other Saturday. A couple of years ago, we were meeting at our house, and um, the night ended, and the next morning, our middle son, Quinn, came down, and, Mom, Dad, what, what verses exactly were you studying in the Bible? Because you guys laughed all night, <laughs> and it's true, we do, we laugh a lot, so yeah. it's, it's pretty normal. It's That's good. It's as weird as it, I thought it would be. Well, you keep mentioning the Bible, mm-hmm. and I thought that, that was one thing, as we were talking, that it just struck me as really interesting, is more than just you know, guys or gals to hang out with, but you kept talking about how it really unlocked as you looked at the Bible together, as you explored that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so tell me about, how, like, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. How does that happen? Why? So we all have tough spots, right, in life. Um, and when we moved back here, I'll just kind of give you an example. We moved back. Um, I went through a really tough spot. I was suffering or struggling with some pretty severe anxiety. And it was our couple study that really came around me during that time and spent a lot of time investing in me and and helping me to look at some scripture and how that could help me. And I'm sure many of you maybe have heard Philippians 4, 6, and 7 quoted, um, but it basically talks about, you know, do not be anxious about anything and, and allow the peace of God, which passes all understanding, to fill you. And so we really spent a lot of time and they were reaching out to me all the time, talking about that. How, what does that look like? How can I make that real for my life? But then they took me to the verse 8, which I don't think gets quoted very often, which tells you um, focus on things that are true and just and lovely and pure and really meditate on those things. And that made a huge difference in my life. It really helped me to pull out of that severe anxiety. Um, and so I think it was taking the Bible and just making it very real in my life with a group of people that knew me. They knew my name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I I just add, you know, the Lord calls us to be with one another, to love one another. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to do alone. 
So when we're in community, that's our chance to be supportive. Uh, it's also our, our, our chance to learn. We really have found the Bible comes alive. You know, you, you, you learn a new word. Of course, the word's been around forever, uh, but then you start seeing it in your life. Mm -hmm. same, same with the Bible. You study the Bible, you learn something, and then all of a sudden God shows up in those ways. Yeah. So we've, we've found uh, that community, whether it's a small group, men, men's group, um, here uh, worshiping with all of you, to be the weeks-long kind of environment uh, mm -hmm. versus one, one, one day a week and, and so forth. Last, uh, last week, uh, Chad talked about um, wisdom uh, being pain-remembered. Uh, we've always talked about it as kind of the intersection uh, between knowledge and experience. Mm. And one of the things that we find in our, in our um, groups is uh, you can leverage the knowledge and experience and the wisdom that other people have to yeah. bring into your own life and, and uh, help you out along this, this life is difficult journey. Yeah, yeah, you need others and others need you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right That's on. good. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe uh, one last question for you. It's just sure. very practically, you keep talking about a men's group, you talked about a young mom's group. How did you actually find those? How did you actually start being part of those groups? <laughs> yeah. So um, I had some really instrumental people in my life when I was a young mom, and so once I was an old mom, I came here to Ryzen and I looked around. I didn't see a young mom's group and I just approached um, someone and said, hey, what if we started a young mom's group? So that's how that group started. That's simple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was back in Japan when the, the uh, couple study formed and then we've sort of tried to keep that on and membership changes and those sorts of things. So that's an, But it was just a, fr a group of a couple of friends that just invited us. Hey, we're yeah, doing this. Do you yeah, want to come? Out there. Do it with us. Um, Back in 2007, when we moved back to um, Cincinnati, uh, we came to Horizon. We were meeting in the school at that time, and some guys were there, and they were saying, hey, we're, we're forming a group, or it was kind of clear. That, and since we had had the experience of wanting to get involved, mm -hmm. we said, yeah, we're, we're, when is it meeting next? And sort of went that way. Yeah, and I keep hearing stories <laughs> from other people that when I ask them that question, well, Mark Ryle invited me. Well, Amy Ryle invited <laughs> yeah, yeah. me. So, well, guys, thank you for hanging out with us no, today. Can we sure. give them another hand? Thank Mark you. and Amy, thank you so much. You know, they, they could tell you as well many more stories of how that thing happens, how that works, what that looks like, and how awesome it is to be a part of that. And I think probably in this room there are some of those stories as well. I think one of the things that's most intriguing to me there is this idea that when we come into that kind of community, when we build some of those kinds of relationships and we help each other explore further what the Bible is really all about, who God really is, what that looks like, it changes us. It changes the way we think. It gives us resources that we didn't have access to before. And one of the last things that Paul writes in, in this part of this letter, you know, he's got a couple lines here where we've noticed he said once that God set the members, each one of them, in the body. He also said that one in the same spirit works all these things to each one individually. And then he says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. What I think is really fascinating here is that he pulls it back from the natural, back into the spiritual. And I don't know how much you agree with Paul this morning. I don't know what exactly you think about God or perhaps how much you and I line up, but here's what I find really interesting here because I know for me, when I had to consider exploring, thinking about, digging into, committing to, like spiritual community, 
It does. It feels a little bit like voodoo magic, a little bit like that might be kind of weird, like what's going to happen to me and, and do I become some weird version of myself and, and do I have to put on a weird uniform and is, like, is this actually a cult? Like, that's why I love that even as he said this, he, he shows how God starts this thing and through his spirit, he's giving us not only the skills, the expertise, the experiences that we just have in our regular life, but he maximizes those, he multiplies those, and he gives us new resources, what he just calls gifts that we can bring for the community's benefit when we become part of a community in Christ, that being a part of his body as we recognize that we need a forgiver and that Jesus is that person. And yet all the way through that, he says, each one, each one, each one individually. That even in spiritual community, you don't lose who you are. Because God loves who you are. In fact, you are so distinctive, you are so unique, that he wants each one to be part of this. You are still you. But you get to see some of the greatest blessings that he has in store for you. You know, one buddy of mine kind of described it to me this way, because I was thinking about some of the benefits you get of just kind of being around a spiritual community And he was trying to get me to think about what happens when you really kind of invest, dig a little bit deeper, try that thing out. And he said it's it's sort of like being outside a bakery. You ever walk past a bakery and, oh, you smell that fresh bread. Maybe you can see in the window and they just pulled it out of the oven, right? I don't know about you, I love that smell. <laughs> and that's kind of what it's like, you know. If, if you hang kind of around the edge of the community, you will experience some of those benefits. You know, there are things that, that Paul describes here that God has built into the natural world that this is just true. Our relationships work better this way. It's hard, but it's worth it. But a lot of that is kind of like standing outside the bakery. You're getting some of the benefits. You've got that good smell. You've got that, you can see that good-looking bread. I don't know about you, but when I smell that, I want to go inside. I want to get a taste. I want a slice of that bread. And that's what I want for you guys too. Not just to see some of the benefits, not just to experience a little bit of it, but to have an opportunity to get a taste of how good it can really be. And so I want to invite you this morning to think about what it would look like to start to invest in being well-connected in community, even right here at Horizon. You can go onto our website and you can see a whole section about groups. You can see section about ways to serve. Honestly, some of the best ways to get to know people, volunteer with them. Serve alongside them somewhere. You know, do that project together. But the groups that we have are another big part of that too. And sometimes we'll get the feedback that it looks like we don't have any because you go to the website and, and there's not much there. Let me tell you, there are dozens and dozens of these kinds of groups going on all the time. And sometimes you hear us talk about them, authentic manhood or whatever it is, where there's kind of a come one, come all, because we want to make sure that you have an opportunity to plug in somewhere. But even more often, literally on a weekly basis, what happens is one person says, I'm interested. I'd like to hear more about that. And then... Whether you come and talk to me, maybe you talk to the person who brought you with today, maybe you stop by the hearth room, third door on the left, to just talk to somebody. You know, maybe you fill out one of those guest cards and you, you check the group's box. Because we believe that you are distinct. That God has made you in a certain way. 
And so we believe it's worth the time, not just to throw everybody into something, but to get to know you, to go have coffee, to go have lunch, to talk in the hallway, to find out what would be a great fit for you. You know, what are you exploring right now that you'd love to find out more so that we can help you be involved in that kind of community? Because we believe that when we do that, that gives us the opportunity not only to connect to one another, but to connect more deeply with God as well. So let's pray that way this morning. God, I thank you for the letter that Paul wrote to his friends and his community. Lord, I know that there's a lot of it that I have needed to learn, a lot of it that I sometimes resist, and all of it that has been so good for me. Lord, you know where we're all at in this room. You know what we need. You know what weakness you want to celebrate because you can turn it into strength. And so I just pray that wherever we're at, wherever you would help us connect, God, that we might start to just have a little more openness to that, a little more excitement about that, that we would see, not just smell and see, but taste the benefits that you have for us. God, we ask all of this in your name. Amen. Thank you all for being here. Come back next week for more Well Connected.